Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. Every other Sunday, we'll release an episode of the podcast featuring an interview with a business owner in the food industry. From restaurants, to breweries, to bakeries, and everything in between. We ask them about their journey and the process of becoming a successful business owner in hopes of helping others to do the same. I'm Mike Curtin, and the podcast starts now. Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. All links to those and podcast platforms can be found on ChewBrewerStew.com. Thank you for joining us for episode number 18 of Chew Brewer Stew. Today I sit down with Jeff Greco, owner of Heavy Reel Brewing Company in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Jeff talks to us about how starting with a smaller brewing system isn't always the best route, and how opening in Seaside Heights has changed the drinking game a bit by introducing different beers to people's palates. So here it is, episode number 18. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is Chew Brewer Stew, and today I'm with Jeff Greco of Heavy Reel Brewing Company in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Around seven years ago, Jeff received the gift of a home brewing kit from his wife, Jessie. Didn't take too long before he realized he wanted to open his own brewery. In search of some experience on a big scale, Jeff got in touch with Gretchen Schmidhausler, owner of Little Dog Brewing Company in Neptune, New Jersey. Soon after, he started his apprenticeship. He went on a search for a future home of his new brewery, Heavy Real Brewing Company, which opened in April of 2018. Jeff, how's it going, man? Good, man. How are you doing? All right. So, uh, how is your whole business faring in this whole shutdown? It's doing actually pretty good. Uh, we, you know, we're doing a lot of to-go sales. The biggest uh, issue we've been running into is lack of supplies. Like, we're... Uh, it's kind of hard to track down some crawlers. We're doing all crawler releases, so okay. Um, you know, the supply chain's kind of you know backstocked everywhere. So uh, that's really been the main thing that's been affecting us. You know, we're coming up on the summertime. We're about a block from the beach, so right. we're gonna miss out on just like the traffic that's coming through the town uh, this summer. But other than that, our sales are still good. You know, crawler sales was a big part of our business to begin with. Um, okay, but obviously, you know. People come into the taste room is a you know big, big hit for us. Right, of course. Um, is, you think the crowler? I mean, it's because everybody's buying crowlers now because of what's happened, or is it uh, because lack of delivery um, or so a mix of both? New Jersey changed the law so we can actually deliver beer to customers. So now we're you know bringing crowlers to people's houses and dropping them off on the front step. Right. Um, so yeah, a lot of times you know we do our beer releases in crowler format. Um, okay. So it's kind of the same thing now. Instead of there being, you know, a line outside the brewery now, people order it online, and you know, beers will sell out online, and then we'll deliver, or they'll come and pick them up. And that's awesome. So shifting back to when you first opened, how did you go about funding the capital for your brewery? Um, so we did it. Um, I have a business car- partner named Chris. Uh, we both kind of did it. Uh, very low budget. Um, a lot of the stuff that we opened with, I had in my garage at home. Okay. Um, you know, as I was, you know, working my way to open a brewery, uh, you know, you know, helping out some other breweries along the way. You know, I would stockpile some equipment. You know, a guy couldn't pay me; he paid me in a free keg. Right. Uh, so I just started okay. stockpiling equipment, and uh, as soon as we opened, you know, and started making some cash, we, you know, reinvested in the business and put the money back into new, nice stainless, stainless, shiny equipment. So, yeah, yeah we did it like sh- uh, shoestring budget, but we made it work. Right. So, how did you go about choosing that area, that that Seaside Heights area? Uh, well, originally we tried opening in Seaside Park. Um, 
the town gave us a little bit of trouble trying to open a brewery in that town. Why was that? Um, just the, uh, the town politics. It's really, you know, small, sleepy town. And they thought we were going to be uh, a club or something right. crazy. So, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of misinformation with, you know, the older people in the town. And just, it yep. was just a nightmare. Of course. So after that was over, uh, we had a couple towns reach out to us. Seaside Heights um, was one of them. And it's, it was a mile away from where we originally wanted to open, so it just kind of made sense. And what what was the morale of your your friends and family when you were deciding to open this? Pretty much everybody was on board. A couple of people were like apprehensive and didn't know how it was going to happen or how you know we would make it work, and you know just just questioning it. But if there's something you want to do, you just kind of keep your head down and just keep going and not really think about all the things people are saying to you and just. If your heart's in it, you're just going to make it work no matter what. So that's kind of like how we went about it. Right. So I know Gretchen probably gave you a a good bit of advice, but what was something you thought you never had to deal with coming into the industry? You know, we started off, you know, we are small now. You know, we're two and a half barrels. Uh, It is a great, you know, size system to experiment and have fun with. I didn't realize, like, you know, when I first started, I said, oh, I want to stay small. I want to stay small. I want to be creative and stay small. Uh, I didn't realize how hard it is to keep up on that small system. I guess I knew, but I didn't really yes. know. I've, you heard, know? So, I've heard this before. Yeah, that... so, you know, we have, uh, we actually have a building that we bought that we're moving into. Um, and then we have, you know, a whole new brewing system on order um, that's supposed to be here at May. So a 10-barrel system with a bunch of 20-barrel, uh, you know, cellar side. So, you know, we're going to expand to a much bigger system but now all this is going on it's kind of delaying that so yeah right. <laughs> um, but yeah i guess that, that's really it you know story small is fun uh we get to do some crazy stuff but you know kind of limits our name where we can distribute to and um you know even trying to do beer festivals is tough for us so right right yeah uh everything's kind of uh just turned upside down right now so yeah it's crazy with that being said, actually, uh, what are, what are one of the hardest adjustments you've had to make so far since being open? Um, since being open or since uh, the coronavirus impact? Well, since, being, since you opened in uh, April of 2018, what, is one of the, um, what was one of the hardest adjustments you had to make personally? I would say, you know, bringing craft beer to a town that's not really a craft beer or known to be a craft beer town you know it's we're kind of in the heart of like a little party town and uh for sure you know like the whole thing was you know two dollar miller lights and coors lights and all that stuff and then here we come with you know fruity sours and all you know big stouts and ipas and we write you know double ddh on all our ipas and i mean just educating the local people around the area you know what is ddh like people would ask you know what does that even mean right so that's what I was saying. For people at home, double dry hop, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just in case they didn't know. So balancing, I mean, you, it's, it's probably kept you very busy. Um, with yeah, brewing and everything. Um, how do you balance uh, family and business? How do you make that work? Um, I mean, honestly, up until uh, four weeks ago, it was not too, too bad. Um, just kind of busting your ass and you know getting the job done. Um, you know, it was just my wife and I, um, you know, like, so, but now, you know, we just had a baby four weeks ago, so that's kind of, congratulations. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I'm still trying to learn how to juggle that, but, um, yeah, I mean, 
it's just a grind, you know, but like, you know, you're in it daily. Um, you know, then you'll hit those days where you're in the tasting room and beer's flying and people are happy and it just makes it kind of all worth it. Um, I mean, the daily grind sometimes gets to you, but, right. um, <laughs> like I said before, you just kind of keep going, you know, like, right. Some people, people so. some some people just kind of vibe off of that. They love that that grind. Is there a way of you taking a mental break from it all? Like, do you need that? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, the first year, um, I was brewing all day. Um, I was working the taste room full time, and it got to the point um, where I said, you know, I need to start, you know, getting out of the taste room and just kind of doing the brewing side. So, right, that was kind of like phase one of like trying to just, you know taking a step back. Um, and then, you know, now I don't really do the taste room at all. I'm there. It's just cause I want to be there hanging out. Um, in the summer, you know, like when I'm really grinding and brewing, you know, six or seven beers a week, right. uh, I made it a point to not really be there on Sundays, you know, just take the day to hang out and just kind of take, you know, try to enjoy the summer, you know, what little I get of it. Right. For sure. How do you define success? I don't know. I, I guess we're still kind of figuring that out, you know. Right. Um, you there, know I guess was there any defi- was there any defining moments for you where you kind of realized like things were going really well and yeah, I guess you know because when you when you're in a day to day, you don't really know I don't where your business is, especially as you know a new brewery. Um, right. So I guess when we start when we start getting out and doing you know beer festivals and people. We're coming up and saying we heard of you guys and um you know like we you know we did um Truins beer festival uh the brick department tavern beer fest which you know we had really good re- uh reviews for and you know met a lot of people it was really kind of for me like holy shit we're like doing something kind of big here so for me that was rewarding yeah when people start hearing your name and you're like wow that's uh it's got to be a great feeling man yeah, you know, like honestly, I guess I thought it would happen sooner, but um, right. you know, I, being small just kind of limits you. You know, I didn't realize like New Jersey is a small state, but it's big drinking state. So like locally, I feel like the name's out there, but you know, there's people in North Jersey that still haven't had our beer. People in way South Jersey that haven't had it. So right, what are qualities do you think you possess that make you a good business owner? Um, just being creative. You know, I'm not afraid to try something that nobody else has done there's oftentimes um i think you know like all right what hasn't somebody done that makes sense to me that fits in kind of our you know wheelhouse of things we like to do so really that just like you know constantly being creative trying to i don't find a new trend or create a new trend before one happens um just really that just the creative aspect of it is that your way of of trying to stay away or stay ahead of your competition uh, I don't even look at it like that. I, you know, I, uh, I just see beer as being a way to, I don't know, express yourself and give people, you know, something that's new or creative or something that hasn't been done before. We did a, a collaboration with the brewery, uh, Kelly Green, down South Street. We, we made a pizza IPA where pizza we literally IPA. took pizzas and put them in the mash, dry hopped <laughs> it with, uh, dry hopped it with like oregano and a bunch of Italian seasonings, like just crazy shit that yeah. nobody's ever really done before that's insane um, that's... Yeah, at the same time you know trying to make a good product not just to throw like something into uh, a beer and say hey this is a beer with you know something crazy so right uh what do you think brings people to your brewery um i think the you know when we do our releases um 
we've gotten really popular for sour beers. Um, okay. So a lot of people come looking for sours. Um, and then I think people like seeing, you know, a small brewery because the tap list is constantly rotating. We don't have uh, flagship beers. We, you know, every, you know, we have eight taps. Everything's kind of always different. Sometimes we'll bring them back and, yeah. you know, do it again, brew the same beer again. Sometimes we'll do a variant of it. Sometimes we'll brew a beer that we really like and just never do again just because, you know, we have a list of beers we want, want to do or ideas we want to do that we never get to. So, you know, people always, you know, kind of know that we're always trying to do new beers and, you know, it's always a kind of different tap list every time you come. So do you have any, any strategies for marketing? Yeah, right now, I mean, it's just kind of getting our name out there and, you know, making the best product. Um, you know, we don't pay for any marketing. It's just kind of, you know, old school kind of, you know, doing beer festivals when we can, you yeah. know, uh, you know, giving away free stickers and people that come in and kind of spread the word, spread the name. That's really it right now. You know, just let kind of let the product speak for itself and hopefully, uh, you know, it takes off and eventually does the talking itself. And what do you think, what do you think has been the biggest change uh, for you since you got into the industry? I just see a lot of, you know, copycat type stuff. Um, you know, somebody does something that's really good, like, um, you know, the New England IPAs now, Everybody does in New England. Right, and yes. A lot of them are a lot of them are excellent. A lot of them are just like I don't know how you can fuck this beer up and, and not <laughs> make it good with these hops. So right. Yeah, you know, it's really kind of I see a lot of things that are just kind of like they do the beers just for the sales. So, you know, just throw the word hazy on it because they think it will sell. I right. said, you know, it wasn't always like that. I felt like it was just, a, you know, brewing good beer, and you know that was the reason. But uh, I, see, I I see a lot of that now, which kind of drives me crazy. Yeah, so that's why we, I do see a lot of them. We, You're right. I do see a lot we, more nowadays. It's it's we nuts. refuse to use the word hazy in any of our yeah right in, in any of our beers. If somebody you know was trying to open their own brewery, what advice would you give to them? Um. Yeah. I, you know, I've helped a couple of people now um, do this. I, I just say, you know, get some experience in a brewery, and, and that's like more than just talking to people. You know, there, when I was trying to open, I was I would visit breweries every weekend and I would talk to people. But really, like being at one on a brew day, or you know, being there for a packaging day or a kegging day, um, that's really I think the best experience you can have because there's a lot of people that come in as home brewers that want to open the brewery, and you know, they don't realize you know how much different it is. You know, like during a match, there's not really time to you know, go in your kitchen or go in your living room and watch TV. There's a thousand other things that need to be done, you know, keeping up with production. So right. really just getting, getting actual brewing experience. And most breweries, um, if you like, you know, hang around the tasting room enough or, you know, talk to the owners enough, they'll let you come in for a brew day and hang out. And, you know, at least we do. And I know a couple other New Jersey breweries are totally cool and have an open door policy with right, right. people coming in and brewing. That's awesome. Did you happen to have a funny story for us? One, we think we have a ghost in our brewery. Um, <laughs> you know, anytime, you know, me or Ricky, my assistant brewer, are in the back, we'll hear, you know, something fall or something, you know, we swear things get moved. It might be us just <laughs> misplacing things or things, you know, falling that we didn't put up the right way. But we always hear kind of, you know, things fall. So whenever something's lost in the brewery, we just, you know, blame it on the brewery ghost. Um, 
So I, I swear by it that there is one, but we haven't found him yet. We haven't saw him on the security cameras, but you know, there, there's always some. Anytime we're there, there's always something that goes mm, some paranormal yeah. paranormal activity going on. And then, and then the second time, uh, like another one is it was the second day we're opening. Um, you know, I come in and we have the pipes just. Back, backing up into the brew house, which was oh god, <laughs> that giant mess, and it, yeah, that, that, that was a that was another one that was like really the second day in business. This is what we have to deal with now. Of course, so, I'm surprised it wasn't I, the first one. <laughs> I guess if there's not you know things going wrong, uh, it kind of keeps <laughs> keeps us in line. Yeah, right. Keeps you on your toes a little bit. Yeah. So I have a little segment I call Quick Fire Five. It's just five quick questions, and uh, you know your quickest answers to them. Yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. One of your beers that you would recommend to someone? Uh, our six series. Six series. Or sour six. Yeah. Okay. Favorite brewery other than yours? Uh, Plan B in New York. Favorite style of beer? Uh, barrel aged sours. Barrel aged sours. It's the last beer that you drank that actually surprised you. Uh, Icarus does a beer named Bang Kitty. It's a uh... IPA with uh, Thai basil leaves and just lemongrass, and that was the last one I had. That was like, wow, this is really different and really fucking good. Yeah, interesting. Huh. All right, you have one keg to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? What takes these on hands from tired hands? Tired hands. All right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Jeff. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate being with us, man. It's uh, I know things are probably crazy right now, so. Yeah, no worries, guys. Stay safe and uh, drink some good beer. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Mike Curtin for Chew Brewer Stew, here with Jeff from Heavy Real Brewing Company. Thank you very much, man. Be safe. Hey, guys, so that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're able to take something away from that interview as you will with every interview. Special thanks again goes out to Jeff Greco of Heavy Real Brewing Company in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. If you're on lockdown during this quarantine and you're in Seaside Heights, swing by Heavy Real for a quick pickup. Or check out their Instagram page for a link to get beer delivered straight to your front door. Every other Sunday I'll be posting a new podcast, so stay tuned and like I said, subscribe, so you never miss another episode. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. Also, if there's something you're curious about knowing from the owners, then I want to ask it. You can email me directly at ChewBrewerStew.com. Once again, I'm Mike Curtin for Chew Brewer Stew. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.